This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, treats me like commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we believe that customer value exists only in the minds of your customer. Today, I am thrilled to have Keith Dorson. Keith uh, runs his own wealth management firm with a large group of uh, people around him. Keith, welcome. Welcome, Mark. It's good to be here. Uh, Keith and I have done a couple little different experiments uh, together and, and speeches and and uh, presentations. And so it's it's kind of fun to get him on the podcast. Lifelong learners. Here we go. Yeah, there we go. So um, value. Value is in the mind of your customer. And when it comes to making a financial plan for one of your clients, uh, what does that mean? Well, owners come to us, the owners of their life, the owners of their business, the owners of their story. And we ask basic questions have you ever had a comprehensive wealth management plan? And if so, what are we building on? And they said, well, I had an old one. It's kind of rusty, kind of dusty. It didn't really do much. So I said, okay, if we were going to build an ideal value-based plan. What would it consist of? And they look at me like, well, I overpay my taxes to Uncle Joe, Uncle Caesar, Uncle Sam. So I'd like some actual proactive tax planning. Can we get that module built in? Sure. Well, I'd like to get some cash flow for life because I want to make sure that I do not ever run out of oxygen, water, or cash flow. So let's make sure we solve that problem once and forever so my job stays optional. All right, we can do that. Well, how about your estate plan? Well, that's a little dusty not to mention it because I got some special issues going on in that world. And I think my attorneys haven't got everything up to speed. So can you work with the legal legals and coordinate that too? And I said, yes, you bet. And then I go, anything else while you're asking? They go, well, how about risk? Make sure I don't have any risk. I don't want to lose everything because something I didn't see coming broadsides me. So can you do that? Sure. Anything else? Yeah. Can you make it unconventional and institutional? Because I don't want the same thing that my neighbors have. So I want mine unique and customized for me. Can you work on that? Sure. So that's what you build over the years in 29 years, one step at a time, listening and seeing what they want and giving it to them. You know, right at the beginning of that answer, you said something very interesting. You called your clients owners. Absolutely. Tell me more about that. Well, I think everyone comes in and they own the investments and they always want to get in. Well, what's the best investment? What's working today? And I go, well, let's back up a second. If you were going to make an ideal investment as an owner, what's the first step? The right container. Then you have to add soil and add the right dirt. And then we get to finally get into the right investments. So I asked the owners, do you have any preferences? What are my ground rules before I get started? Are there any investments that you absolutely must own? Are there any investments we shall not touch? 
So I've had doctors and nurses says, I don't want any animal testing. I don't want this. I don't want that. So some will give you stay away from. Some will say, well, I came from Google. I came from Intel. I love technology, but I've got enough of that already. So every owner has a preference. You have to listen intently and find out what it is that they're comfortable with and adjust accordingly. Yeah. Um, but the idea of an owner, they own their life. They own their story. That's uh, that. That's. I don't think that's just semantics. No, it's not. They perceive value. I'll give you a silly little example. Alpha in our business, because we love alpha, beta, you know, the different Latin. Alpha is anytime you deliver more than what the owner thinks they're going to get. So they have basic expectations, privacy, confidentiality, uh, timely responses, et cetera. Those are all the norms. Where is it that they're going to say that was above and beyond what I was expecting. So to give you an example, have you ever watched an episode of Star Trek, at least one? Oh, I'm sure. Okay. So what would it take to make a good Starship run normally? All kinds of stuff. The crew. Impulse drive, warp drive, deflector shields, a crew. What if I told you that your spaceship had six, a crew of 600, but we can run it with only four? Would that be a value add if we didn't have the crew and we had to automate the process? Would you like one that could run with fully complement of 600 and his crew as small as four? You'd say, well, that's kind of neat. I didn't know we had that levels of automation. Thank you for that. That's perceived value. Or what if this spaceship can actually split into three different spaceships and all come together and you end up having a small armada of three instead of just one? Well, that's cool. If I can get three instead of one, that's nice. So you just find out what is it you think you want and then think beyond that and anticipate what the owner needs before they get there. Very cool. Now, um, how, how big is your staff, your team that you've got? Uh, I have five amazing people. I surround myself, not including my registered reps that work with me as well. Okay. And so um, what kind of roles are they in and how do you keep them focused on all the stuff that you know about your owners? Well, every person over time specializes. So someone will come in, like Carrie Dombrowski helps me with RMDs, required minimum distributions. The penalty, if you do not take your required minimum distribution, used to be a 50% penalty. So here's a hardworking owner. They forgot because they were busy to take out that $10,000 from their retirement account that year. The government charged them $5,000 penalty. So you can ask me in the last 28 years, how many penalties have we had? Zero, we're undefeated. I have a full-time person to make sure your RMDs are handled, keeps up with the laws, keep up with the regulations. Because right now it used to be 70 and a half. So from 70 and a half on, you'd have to watch it. Today, that rule is 73 on its way to 75. The owners appreciate a team that can keep up on the nuances to keep them out of trouble and heading in the right direction. So every team member has their specialties. Uh, account reviews. I used to always sit down with owners the first time and said, let me show you exactly how to read what these comprehensive reports will look like. And then after that, my son, Kalen, comes in and does that for them if they want that service. So we can customize what level of service the owners want. Great. And um, I think you kind of answered it, but how do you make sure that everybody, you know, your, your person who's ha handling the RMDs understands the that owner's entire picture what what they're really trying to accomplish and not do you just get them focused on rmds or do they do they know more about that that client or that owner than than just um 
the RMD ledger? I think people are way too dependent on CRMs uh, and databases and they look up. I think we do it by just knowing our customers and our owners really well over time. So for example, Laura, who's been with me almost 20 years now, knows because we've interacted with the clients over that period of time. I don't have to tell you what your favorite beverage is. I don't have to look up what your dog's name is. I don't have to know who your grandkids are. We have that kind of positive interactions on a frequent enough basis that we don't even need a database. So some of the new people come in, they go, well, how do you know all that? You care. You care to that level of detail like it matters. You treat each one like your lifeblood is built into that. And they're not just a data point in a CRM somewhere. It absolutely matters to each and every one of them. So yeah. part of it's just the history and the level of care. Stephen Covey in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, when you ask him which one's the hardest one for you, he said, seek first to understand if you really want to be understood. So that level of deep communications and training. The other thing is every one of our people have their financial plan done. So they've been through the process. They know what to expect. It's not just theoretical, oh, I'm helping others, that we eat our own cooking here quite a bit. Very cool. Um, so I'll switch gears a little bit. This is something that a lot of people want to know, right? There's a lot of ways for your financial planner to get paid. Um a fiduciary loves to say, I want to be X percent of assets under management or fee-based or commission-based. Can you give us some of the major ones, ways that people are paid and sure. what are the pros and cons of each of those? Sure. The easiest way is I like to share with owners, I prosper. When you prosper, I suffer when you suffer. And what I mean by that is let's say I'm going to charge you an asset advisory fee. So I like to gather assets I like to grow and compound assets and then make sure you get them all back. So let's say I'm going to charge 1%, kind of an industry standard. Your actual numbers will vary based on the size of the account and the relationship. But if you made 11%, I'm going to take 1%, you're making 10. As your accounts grow, you're happier. Like, yay, that $10 million account is now a $23 million account. I am prospering as you prosper. The advice that we're doing, you make the final decisions as the owner. When you do well, we do well, hence the name win-win. If I'm not doing my job and things aren't working right, the account assets are shrinking, I'm getting paid a percentage of that, and now my income is directly proportionally cut. I did check with the SEC to see if I could waive my fees. I said, what if it's a really bad year like 2008 or 2022? Can I waive my fees entirely? And the regulators said no, surprisingly. I thought they'd have no problem with that. It could make us unique. I'll get paid on good years. I won't get paid on bad years. I'm, not, I'm that confident we can do our job. And they said, you still have to do the work, provide the services, add the value, be there, do the constant monitoring. So you cannot waive your fees. So we get paid in good years and bad years, but a percentage of how well we do for our owners. Wow. Okay. That's how that works. Great question. Cool. And then uh, what's how does that compare with some of the other ways that different uh, planners are paid? Well, some planners are still paid on the old commission basis. So every time you do a transaction, there's a buy or a sell. We moved away from that model a long time ago. I think a lot of it depends on doing your homework. So, for example, Vanguard is known as the cheapest mutual fund family in the world. So if you ask me, can you put me in Vanguard S&P 500 index fund because it's the lowest cost, 0.19 percent? I can't. 
However, I said, there's no pilot. It's all on autopilot. It's all automated. That's all computer systems. If you would like something like American funds, they are the second cheapest, but now you have fund managers and they've been with the firm 20, 30 years and they're very good and it's only a little bit more. So would you pay 0.23% instead of 0.19% to get an actual pilot flying with you who cares about the outcome versus a computer model? So do you want the autopilot only lowest cost or would you like an actual set of investment professionals managing it at a reasonable cost? Everything's negotiated. Sure. And um, does American funds, for instance, in your using your example, uh, have enough of a higher return that that 0.05% pays for itself? Absolutely. And that's the kind of stuff we graphically show. Like somebody says, well, I want a hedge fund because I heard hedge funds are the way to go. Well, normally they're a $10 million minimum. They do a 20% uh, percent split of the profits and a 2% charge. I like one that's about 1%. It's a similar strategy. So you have to do your homework. So I like to tell people cost is only an issue in absence of value. So let's figure out net net how this is all going to turn out when it's said and done. So there are some owners that come in and said, I want the lowest cost period. Some say I want the best performance period. Some say I want the net absolute best deal. Walk me through it. And so I love working with dent doctors, engineers. Everybody's different. Cool. There is no one size fits all. So um, walk me through how some of those conversations have gone. Like you, you don't have to name names, but sure. um, tell us tell us the story of of how that how you opened up that relationship and built built that plan for an owner. Sure. So let's take one of the fourteen physician families we have as clients. And I always ask him, don't tell me what you prescribe because I watch all those crazy commercials from the pharmaceutical companies on TV. But can you tell me what do you take personally? What uh, supplements do you use and why? And they'll say, well, I only take things that don't kill my heart. I said, well, that's interesting. Heart smart, you said. Heart smart for them means things like fish oil, cod liver oil, means things that are, have been tested in a double blind study. So they're taking things that are wise, but sometimes they prescribe things that aren't necessarily wise. When we build portfolios, I have to say, what are my rules? Are you attached to this stock? Are you emotional? Did you inherit it? Is it emotional? Is it a long time, low cost basis in it? What are my guidelines? What are my rules in building a portfolio? Some clients want or owners want to basically not be involved. They want to say, I don't want to take any risk and responsibility. I want to push it all to you and your firm. You're the fiduciary. You handle it. Just make it so. And I go, wait a minute, time out here. Let's work back and forth. Do you want me to have full discretion? That means you trust me enough at this point to control everything. Do you want to have partial discretion? You want me to run ideas past you first? What's the owner's involvement is one of the first discussions we have. Are both spouses going to come in every time? Is one spouse going to come in and send in the scout of the other one? All of this is worked out uniquely what is important to them. And yeah. one of them will say, well, I'm going to do it yourself or I love doing this. But if I'm gone, I want you to make sure you take care of my spouse. Yeah. Tell me about the backup plan. I want to know about your backup plan so that we, we go through our exit plan and our strategy. Give you a quick example. A lot of planners in this business, after a while, they write a letter saying, I'm retired and I'm out. Well, that's not a way to treat an owner. You better have a really good exit plan, a really good succession plan. You better explain it. Ours is going to be so smooth over the next seven to 10 years. 
you're not going to get a letter that says, oh, by the way, Keith's retired. That's ridiculous for a planner. Yeah. Yeah, I would hope so. Yep. So I've got a pet peeve. You know, I've I've been yeah. with some of the big um, do-it-yourself shops. Sure. And every year they send you out the form that, you know, asks you, you know, what's your risk tolerance and that kind of stuff. And that's the only time you hear from them. That is correct. It feels like that's just a CYA form. They don't really want to know. They just want they just want to form for compliance. And so if something goes wrong, they can point to a form saying, here was your risk tolerance. You that's exactly what that is. That's a compliance requirement. They send out your privacy notice saying there's no value add on those transactions. Those are just legal eagles, crossing T's, dotting I's, making sure everything's hunky-dory. What I do is every time I meet with a client, let's say it's four times a year, I'm going to say the last time you were here, Mark, you were a moderate plus. So there's conservative, moderate, and aggressive. Based on the markets, based on the earthquakes in Turkey, based on the war in Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera, are you still a moderate plus or has your risk profile changed? I don't need to give you a 47-page questionnaire. I need to look you in the heart and in the eye and have a conversation. Do you still think we should have as much technology? Are you comfortable if we go a little more this direction? Here's some opportunities that we can take advantage of. So it should be a living, breathing, dynamic process, not an annual form. I concur. Yeah. So- how do you get new clients at this point in your career? You know, that's a great question. I think the easiest answer is add value. Because a long time ago, I was told I was supposed to be asking for referrals. I found out that clients don't want to be asked for referrals. I found out I don't like asking for referrals. So then I finally had one of those breakthrough aha moments, just be referrable. So if you do the right things, clients will talk. They're going to talk. They're going to see if there's perceived value and share that. So the answer is be very referable and hang out doing what you like doing. So if you like pilots and aircraft owners, get your family to the airport. If you want to go down to the marina, go to the marina. If you need to go to the golf course or the links, go do that. So do what you want to do because life is running. It's all live and dynamic as you go. But it's not a magic system. It takes a lot of hard work. I know you've got a sales background. Somebody said, what's the two secret of sales? Having a good list and working the list. Ugh. Or taking care of your existing customers. Yeah. On the second um, yeah. A good, good friend who's a vice president of sales for one of the big tech companies that you've heard of. Uh, she and I, a couple of years back, we did a, a session and her saying, well, you know, I, I sell value, right? Sell, understand your what value means to your customer. And right. she said, you can't sell the value. You have to be the value. Correct. And right. When somebody says, what's your brand? I mean, people say, oh, you've got the Enola Gay conference room. How do you do this? Everything you do is part of your brand and part of who you are. Yeah. Um, but but being being the value for you means being referable. You know, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're solving people's problems. And basically, you also serve the one of the things that you want to solve is for the accountants because they trust their accountants, their CPAs, their tax preparation professionals. So I solve a lot of problems for tax preparers. I don't do any tax preparation, so I'm not a conflict. I like to do active tax planning. So the tax preparers are in front of the clients. And they say, I need to solve this problem. How do I get this solved? And they go, well, go see Wise World. Go see Pete. Okay. Very cool. Yep. Uh, yeah, we, uh, my, my wife is a physician. And so we, the, her hospital 
pays for her tax preparation, but that person does not do any tax planning. Correct. And so we do active tax planning. God bless the tax preparers. They're busy this time of year. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he does he doesn't want to do anything but that. Very, I mean, when when you ask him for anything but that, he makes it very clear that he's a preparer and that's all, that's what he wants to do. And be. they stick with, they stick with their knitting. Absolutely true. Yeah. So you know what else? What else haven't I asked? That's really important about your business. Well, I think synergistically, what makes us different than maybe other financial planning firms that are out there, other than good customer service and being in business for a long time. We are multi-talented in that we ask a couple of different companies. So I do business coaching as well. So when I take small business owners, I said, can we run our business like a business? And I help them double their income in a year. That's fascinating to work with them in that capacity. I don't know how many financial advisors are able to do 20 hours a week financial planning, 20 hours a week doing synergistic business coaching. And then we also help them monetize ideas. So if you have intellectual property in your company or as an individual and you've not monetized yet, we help. So the three of those together are like three golden threads that are just awesome and fun to get going every day. Very cool. Yeah. So a little different. Now, well, how do people get a hold of you if they want to know more, Keith? Uh, I think our website, www.investment.com would be kind of fun. Or they can call us at 480-890-0100. And we've been in Chandler for a number of years and would love to help your clients. Yep. That's Chandler, Arizona, for those of you who didn't know. There's more than um, Chandler, Chandler, Arizona. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, Keith, for, for joining us. It's been a great conversation. Pleasure, Mark. Always fun. And thanks for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we remind you that since custom that value only exists in your customer's mind, sales, marketing, financial planning, all of it is a lot more like brain surgery than you might have thought. Thanks and have a high value day. Well, it ain't easy because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customer's outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues because you'll be singing those old don't know value This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.